forever. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amin. Today is the second Sunday of the blessed month of Ba'una. The reading today is about the paralytic who was brought before the Lord Jesus Christ by his four friends and the dialogue that takes place between our Lord and the Pharisees and the scribes regarding the authority of the Son of Man to forgive sin upon the earth. And you know the story very well. Um, I want to focus on, um, in, the, in the story this morning, when Jesus, knowing the thoughts of what was in the minds of the Pharisees and the scribes, he said to them, you know, why are you reasoning in your hearts? Why are your thoughts evil? Why are you um, upset that I'm doing something good? And it's very important for us to, to stop and, and, and reflect on the, the very simple fact that Jesus reads the hearts and minds of those Pharisees and scribes without them even saying anything to him. And so, in, um, in the gospel today, clearly we know that the Lord sees the paralyzed man. He knows the condition of the paralyzed man, both physically, and he also sees his sin, and he must forgive his sin. But he also sees the faith of the four friends, and he also sees and knows very clearly the thoughts of everyone in that crowd. And so this, the miracle is not simply that Christ saw the paralyzed man and healed him, but in fact that he saw the hearts and minds of all of those who were there, and he sought to heal them as well. He sought in the gospel today to heal the hearts and the minds of the Pharisees and the scribes. He targeted them when he began to speak to them about what was reasoning in their minds and in their hearts. And so there are many, many miracles in this one story, not simply the healing of a, of a man who was paralyzed or the forgiveness of his sins, but even the attempt of our Lord to heal the inner life of those Pharisees and scribes, those so-called teachers and professionals of the law. And so he does this not because he wants to manifest some sort of divine skill of clairvoyance to sort of a divine show-off that he can read the minds and the hearts of the people. But he does it because for the same reason that he heals the paralyzed, in order to shine his light, his love, his mercy, and his forgiveness where it is needed. And this is the, the mystery of, of, of the miracle this morning, is that Christ wants to be where he is needed in order to shine the light of his life, the light of his love, the light of his redemption. And so he knows for each of us, at every moment, what's needed. He knows what's needed in order to purify our bodies, our minds, our hearts, our souls. And he sends us the Holy Spirit in order to abide in us, in order to enlighten us, to awaken us to the reality of spiritual things. And sometimes he sends us messengers, the saints and, and even the prophets, to awaken us to spiritual realities. And so, St. Augustine says, God has ears for what our hearts are saying. God has ears for what our hearts are saying. And nothing escapes his ears from what our hearts are saying. And he doesn't pass, as it might seem, a, a sort of confrontation between him and the, and the Pharisees. It's not that he passes judgment and condemnation upon them. But he gently asks them, he tries to stir up in them their own consciences, and he says, why do you give yourselves over to such reasoning? Why are you thinking in this way? Why are your hearts going to what is dark and evil? 
And many of us, like the Pharisees and the scribes, our hearts and our minds are full of dark and evil thoughts throughout the day. And the voice of the Lord through his Holy Spirit is saying to us, why are you reasoning such in your hearts? Why are you thinking such things? Let my presence come and judge these thoughts, not to condemn you, but to free you, to release you, to liberate you. And that's what he wants to do with the Pharisees and the scribes. He wants them to see and to know the way he sees and knows the heart of the paralyzed man, the needs of the paralyzed man, and the hearts and the thoughts of all the people. He wants us to have this knowledge, this divine knowledge. So in verse 24, he says, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. The word here, to know, is the same word, the same derivative in the Greek of the word that he just used to say that he knows and sees what's in the hearts and the minds of the scribes and the Pharisees. So what Christ is in a sense saying is, in the same way that I know and see as the Son of God, I want you to know and see. I want you to know and see who I am. I want you to know and see what's happening in your heart. I want you to know and see what's happening around you in the world. I want you to discern spiritual things that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, that you may know that I am the Son of God, that you may know the spiritual realities that God has come to reveal to us. How amazing that in this period of the Holy Spirit that we celebrate, that God is telling us that he wants us to tap into the power of the Holy Spirit to know and to see as God knows and sees. And so in the Pauline epistle today we read, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. And usually we stop there and we say, oh, this is for the next life. We say this oftentimes in the funerals, that the promises of God are for those who have entered into eternity to experience that which an eye has not seen or ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man what God has prepared. But look what St. Paul says immediately afterward. He says, but God has revealed them to us through the Spirit, through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yet, yes, the deep things of God. So what St. Paul is saying is that what eye has not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man, is what God wants to give you today is what he wants us to see and to experience today. It's not just for eternal life or when we enter into the afterlife. And again, in the Catholic epistle today, uh, we read, His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us. He has given to us, by his divine power, all things pertaining to life and godliness. And, and what do we say at the very end, when, when we, at the end of the divine liturgy, when the priest says the prayer before he, he dismisses the people with the, with the blessing of the water? He says what? Your servants, O Lord, who are serving you, entreating your holy name and bowing down their heads to you, dwell in them, O Lord, walk among them and aid them in every good deed. And then what does he say? Awaken their heart from every vile earthly thought and grant them to live and think of that which pertains to the living and to understand the things that are yours. What, a, what a, a beautiful cry that the priest says at the end of the liturgy, that now having entered into this beautiful covenant with the Lord and, and, and partaking of his body and his blood, that we be called to be awakened to what is spiritual and to put aside what is vile and earthly and to understand the things that belong to God. 
I don't know if any of you have heard of uh, one of the great um, uh, contemporary preachers in the church in Egypt. His name is uh, Abuna Armey Abulis. You find him at many of the, the, the Coptic channels, uh, unfortunately, all in Arabic. Um, but a, a master preacher on the, on the scriptures and, and a very um, prominent uh, clergy of, of our church in, in, in our present times. But what a lot of people don't know about Abuna Armey Abulis, who is a very revered man today, is that he was, in his youth, he went through a period where he was very far from God and was living a very sinful life. And one day when he was partying in Alexandria and he was going from place to place in theater to cinema and bar or whatever, he met a friend who um, he had not seen for some time and this friend insisted that he come to his house to, to have a meal. He didn't want to interrupt his partying, but the friend was insistent. And so he went to this person's house and as his friend was making food. He was sort of sitting in the family room and sort of bored, waiting for his friend to make the food. And he was looking for something to do, and he was looking for something to read, and he couldn't find anything except one book. So he op- took the book and he opened it. It was the Holy Bible. And he opened it, and it opened upon verse uh, Ephesians 5.14. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. And he said something powerfully just entered into him that convinced him beyond any shadow of a doubt that God had spoken to him with this verse. And his whole interior life was shaken at that moment. And he said he fell, he stood up and he fell down into his chair. He thought the, the, the wall behind him was a little bit further, but apparently he was close by, and so he hit his head against the wall, and he said, everything went black. And he said, I couldn't see. It was, I was in total darkness. I was, I was blind. And he said, I didn't know what to do. He said, do I call out to my friend and tell him, I- I'm blind? And my friend is going to say, are, are you crazy? You were just fine, and you were partying in Alexandria, and now you're sitting in my family room, and you're going to tell me that all of a sudden you went blind? Are you crazy? So he, he didn't know what to do. He began to pray. And he said, Lord, I, I beg you to, to enlighten this darkness. Save me from this darkness. And then he said he found all of a sudden a, a very beautiful bright light that encompassed the room. And out of this beautiful bright light, he saw a figure of a man. And he said to him, who are you? And he said to him, I am Paul the Apostle. And he says, don't you remember the vow that you made when you were younger about how you would give your life to God? God expects this vow to be fulfilled. And he remembered that when he was younger, when he was studying in high school and college, that he was always saying, you know, God always stood by me, and I will be committed to him the rest of my life for how good he was in my life. He said something like this, and St. Paul said, this is the vow, the commitment that you made And God expects you to fulfill it. And so he began to see again. And then he he didn't know what to do. He ran out of the house and he went back to to where he was living. And his life changed. And now you can see the the fruit of his ministry and and, and the power of, of, of his preaching. So God wants to awaken us. Now, sometimes he reaches down to somebody like Abun Armey Abulis in his youth, 
or St. Augustine, and he really awakens, shakes them from the, the slumber of their sleep. But every day he's sort of shaking us in our minds and in our thoughts, which are often, again, going towards the vile earthly things. And he says, awaken, you sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. And so the saints also come as sort of prophetic witnesses to remind us. That's why the saints are so important in the life of the church. They, they, they awaken us from the slumber of our sleep by their own holy life, by their own gifts of the Spirit, which manifest the divine power of God. We, we, we see it in the, in, the, in the gift of clairvoyance or the, the gift that the saints have of being able to see into the minds and the hearts of people or to know what's happening in their soul or to predict future things. We know that saints like Pope Krulus and, and many of the, the contemporary saints had this gift. But Elder Porphyrius, he says, uh, he gives us an understanding of why do they have this gift. He says, most people don't realize that this gift is not my own ability. Elder Porphyrius, who, one of the contemporary saints who profoundly exhibited this gift. He says, most people don't realize that this gift is not my in my own ability, I say a few things that God enlightens me to say so that the world will feel Christ's embrace for all of us. And so it will give its own love, the world will respond with its own love to Christ in response. So this awakening to spiritual realities that the saints are there to remind us of is so that the love of God, the love of Christ, would be something that we experience and be able to return it. We, we know in the Gospels uh, how, uh, how much of a, a shaking up this is in times in people's lives. We see it in, the, in Nathaniel. Jesus saw Nathaniel coming toward him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom no, there is no deceit. And Nathaniel said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. I saw you and I knew you before you thought that I could see you and know you by physical, earthly means. And Nathaniel, shaken by this, what does he say? Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. He makes a complete leap of extraordinary faith because Christ has entered into the secret place and told him, I know you in that secret place. There's another famous story, you know, if you've watched the video of Abu Niyostos al-Antuni. Uh, but when you hear the story from Abu Nibshoy al-Antuni, one of the fathers who you might know from CYC and also on many of the channels now, who, one of the, the fathers who was there in the late 70s in St. Anthony's Monastery, who heard the story from the man that it happened with. He told Abu Nibshoy directly the, this story. This man was very rich, uh, but he was generous. You know, somebody at church needed help, he, he pulled out his checkbook and gave. But he made sure that everybody knew that he was generous. So when he would write a check, he would call in his secretary, he would call in other servants, and he would say, he would make sure that they all see, you know, that he's writing this large check for the church. So he was generous, but he was vainglorious. And he also had some hidden sins, uh, an affair on the side, and, and so on. And, and one day he was going on a trip to St. Anthony's Monastery, 
And the one of Yusuf, if you, if you know his story, he's called the silent monk. He doesn't speak. He says two things, right? What time is it? And thank God. And نشكر الله or right? And, and all of a sudden he finds Abuna um, Yustus grabbing him and begin telling him, because you have some good in you, in your generosity, God wants to save you. Repent and turn from your ways. So of course he sees this filthy uh, monk who's wearing rags, uh, and he's like brushing off his nice suit and who are you and don't touch me you, you, you know and, and he says who are you to tell me to repent and, and he begins to tell him in details his sins and the name of the person he's having an affair with and, and who he cheated in business and all of these things and the man begins to shake and his life changes he repents he genuinely repents and then but because he is known to the community he stays away from the church. He doesn't go to the church. He doesn't confess. He doesn't take communion. And so another time, sometime later, he, he goes to the monastery again. He finds Abuna Yustaf again coming out of nowhere and grabbing him, taking him aside, and showing him a tree. And he says, if this, if this branch is broken and thrown away from the tree, what will happen? So he said, it will die. He said, it's the same with you. If you don't stay connected to the church, you will die. You need to confess. You need to take communion. You need to participate in the sacraments. And so the man changes again and becomes a very good example of a Christian in his life. So the saints are there sometimes to shake us in such, but even, even subtle ways, even just to purify our intention. Sometimes we do things and we say, this is... I'm going to tell a white lie, I'm going to be a little bit sly, but it's, it's for good reason. So one time, a priest, his name was Abuna Tadaus Gorgi, he was used to, after praying the liturgy, he would go uh, to see Pope Krolos and give him one of the urbanas from the Hamel. It's a tradition, oftentimes, when we go to see a bishop, if we pray the liturgy, we take to the bishop one of the urbanas from the Hamel, so he can give us a blessing. And so... But the hamel that day, um, don't read anything into this, amen, okay? The hamel that day was, was not good, okay? And, uh, and he said, I can't take any of these to the Pope. So he said, I don't know what to do. So he, he said, you know, I don't have a choice. So he took one, and he, as he was going to the cathedral, he found before the cathedral, you know, in Egypt, they have the Arabni, the, they sell Orban. So he found somebody who sold very nice Orbana. You can't tell the difference. Yeah, when you choose the hamel from the orban that we give at the end, it's the same. They make exactly the same. So he said, oh, this is beautiful. This is much more suitable to give to the Pope. I will give him this one instead. So when he entered uh, to see the Pope, and he gave him, uh, like, Father Sayyidna, you know, and Sayyidna started to look at it, and he said, is this the offering bread? Is this the offertory bread from the liturgy today, Father? And so, of course, Abuna didn't want to lie, so he's just like, uh, absolve me, Sayyidna, absolve me, Sayyidna. He's like, Abuna, is this, is this the offertory bread? And he kept looking at it. What are you looking for? It's, it's Urbana. And then Abuna, of course, realized that he was exposed, so he took out the other... Uh, Urbana, the, the actual offertory bread, and he said, Absolve me, Sayyidina, forgive me. 
And so the Pope then took it and he looked at it and he said, Ah, oh, you see how beautiful it is? Look, Abuna, look how beautiful it is. And then Abuna saw beautiful crosses on it, like red crosses. And he said, you see how beautiful it is, Abuna? Now, what did, what did Abuna do? Did he do something significant? Did he break one of the Ten Commandments? Did, did, he, or did he have a good intention? He did. He had a good intention. He wanted to give something to the Pope that was presentable. But see, even sometimes, the point is, is do we need Pope Krulus to, to come and do what he did with Abuna Tadaos? Or do we have the Holy Spirit inside of us who tells us? That's the point. The point is the saints are there sometimes to nudge us, to remind us to, again, in the case of the, the example of the story of the rich man and, with Abuna Justus, somebody who's very far from living the life in the Spirit. But for, for, for us who are called to, to live in the Spirit, right? what does St. Paul say today in, 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 in continuation? He says, even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. This is the Spirit that we have received. This is the Spirit that we celebrate, not just in the book of Acts, the Spirit who dwells in us, who speaks through us and through us. So, this is the, um, the reflection for this morning. I want to just... Um, to conclude then, the real problem in the spiritual life as we see in the gospel today is not so much the moral choices that we make towards outward sin, but it's the paralysis of the mind and the heart, it's the lack of discernment of the spiritual things of God, which puts us into a sort of sleepwalking of life. We don't perceive things in a divine way. The carnal life that we live weighs us down, and we need to be freed through the, the gift of the Holy Spirit. One of the contemporary saints says, the longest, ha- the longest route runs from the head to the heart. The longest route runs from the head to the heart. To have our hearts transformed and renewed by the life of the Spirit. Our friendship and our discipleship with God elevate us to participate in the redemption of the world. When Christ says that he is no longer calling us servants, but friends, because he has given to us or made known to us all things from his Father, he is elevating us to be instruments of his Holy Spirit, instruments of his divine knowledge, instruments of his mercy, instruments of his redemption, instruments of his message, his word. And this is, again, we see this in the examples of the saints elevated, But this is the calling of each of us. Each one of us is supposed to to live this life. May the Lord, as he read the minds and the hearts of the scribes and Pharisees and reached in to, to shine his light, the light of his presence, may through his Holy Spirit always enlighten our minds and our hearts and to live into the things that are pertaining to him and not the things of the world. And glory be to God forever. Amen.